In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. It seems um, rather ironic on this uh, uh, weekend where we celebrate uh, the day of the independence of America that we should have a gospel that talks about uh, servants and slaves. But in a very real sense, those two poles are not all that ironic. For as Christians, we navigate, we have a journey, as it were, between those places. That is the territory where our Christian life is lived out. It is in many ways a journey from slavery to independence. And in a sense, back to a form of service. And if we do not engage that sense of slavery, that sense of servitude, that perhaps is rather difficult for us to understand in America, we cannot truly get to the place where we receive the mystery of those virtues that were talked about in the epistle. To put it in context, right after Jesus was baptized, the devil tempted him on the mountain. He offered Jesus a political deal, if you will. He said, if you worship me, I'll give you all the glory of all those kingdoms of the world. And of course, Jesus didn't take the deal. He rebuked Satan and he said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. Him only will you serve. Now forgive me if I'm always quoting Bob Dylan, but the, the poet said, you're going to serve somebody. Now it might be the devil, and it might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You're going to have to serve somebody. And from the Lord's words, it seems that the one whom we serve is the one we worship. The one who you serve is the one you worship. Think about that in terms of virtues and vices. Think about that in terms of the Christian life. The one who you serve is the one who you worship. There have been many different kinds of servitude and slavery in the history of the cultures of the world. But the basic idea, the basic idea of the program is that the slave is the property of his master. And the slave does what the master says and not necessarily what the slave wants. The centurion in the gospel understood the dynamic of this much better than we do in modern America. He was himself a man who was under the direction of superiors. He had servants and slaves under him. And it was their duty to do what he told them, just as it was his duty to do what his superiors told him. We don't have much experience of that in modern America. You might say that the revolution that uh, freed us from the servitude to England and the civil war that abolished slavery have sort of given us Americans kind of a, an attitude, kind of a character that has a little bit of an attitude of, um, of don't tread on me that goes way back. 
we have had an attitude of independence in our character from the very beginning. Now, none of us wants to go back to the time before the Revolution. None of us wants to go back to the time before the Civil War. But it must be observed that we tend in these days in modern America to talk more about rights and about questioning authority than we do about the duty to do what good authority commands. We talk more about rights than we do about responsibilities to do the kinds of things that a servant might do. So how in these days, given that cultural climate that we have, how do we learn to obey Christ the King? How do we begin to engage that journey? We who uh, work in the world for bosses, um, uh, even uh, lowly uh, assistant pastors, um, have to engage this reality of working with a boss. We each have to answer to someone. And perhaps it's the, uh, uh, the uh, sheriff's deputy, it's, it's the cop, it's the soldier, um, it's the clergyman who perhaps has a clearer sense of that because we are in a system that's you know, kind of old-fashioned in some ways compared to the rest of the world. But in all of those things, the dynamic that we have working there is a far cry from the kind of, of slavery or, or service that I think we're trying to get after here. And, and to be sure, even the most abject slavery that you'd find anywhere in the world is a far cry from the bondage, uh, the slavery that's there to sin. Now, perhaps we all do know that one to a certain extent. We may not know what it means to be a servant, but we all have those things that we answer to whether we want to or not. Remember how St. Paul said, I do those things that I don't want to do. Now, do we not all have an experience of that in some way or another? You know, there, there it goes again. Oh, boy. We all have that experience of answering to someone who we did not choose. Now, we were each a slave until the Lord shed his blood to redeem us. We had each presented ourselves to those sins that we had the inclinations to, and we had presented ourselves as if a slave to a master. And we can be seduced to go back to that, even after our baptisms, even after all of our good intentions. So how do we cultivate service to the right master and not the wrong master? The wonder of all of this is that the Lord did purchase us. We could not free ourselves, but he paid the price. And when he freed us, he gave us the glorious liberty, the glorious liberty, a liberty more glorious than that which we celebrated yesterday. He gave us the glorious liberty to choose to be servants, to choose to follow him to choose even to be a slave. As Paul said, bondservant of Christ. 
to choose to be a bondservant. Some of the McIntyres, my ancestors, came to America as bondservants, as indentured servants. But to choose to be that voluntarily for the sake of something greater. This master of ours is a good one, this one that we choose. Our master gives us gifts. He gives us virtues to perfect that service. He gives them to us for us to enter into. And when we take up the struggle to be freed from those passions, when we take up the struggle to confess, to do the virtuous thing instead of the sinful thing, he gives us the fruits of the Spirit as a reward for our servitude, as a reward for our slavery to him. He frees us especially so that we may love and serve. And in this service to our master, it is that love that compels us and not the fear of a, of a whip, not the fear of a chain, not the fear of a harsh taskmaster. It is love that compels us. We are freed to love and to serve one another. And in a profound sense, we actually become uh, deacons to one another, diakonos. You know, what a wonderful concept that is, to serve. We can only do that if we're freed from the selfishness of the bondage of those sins. You might say that this is a personal matter. This is something that happens person to person. This is not theoretical. We are not servants to the Orthodox Christian religion. We are not servants to a culture, to a way of thinking. We are servants of the person, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We are his servants, person to person. And as we are servants of the person of Christ, we also do not serve in this world some abstract notion of humanity. We do not serve some great cause. We serve there, person to person. We do not go out with the good works that we go out from this church with just to serve some fuzzy-headed kind of thinking about humanity. We go out on the streets and we meet folks person to person in that same kind of a way, and in a very real sense become a servant to the least. And when we do that, something wonderful happens. I gotta tell you, there's no freer freedom than to serve in those moments. When you lay down your life, in a sense, the Lord is there. Many of you have um, seen the musical or the movie Les Miserables, and there's a great scene in that when the old bishop uh, uh, gives away his best silver, his best silver service, and uh, silver is often talked about as a token of redemption. He gives it to the escaped prisoner, Jean Valjean, even though Jean has the appearance and the behavior of an animal even though Jean is a mess, even though Jean has stolen from him, the, the bishop becomes a servant 
to this one. The bishop becomes a servant to him, sees in him the image of God, and he says, I have bought you back. In that moment of the laying down of one's life, in that moment of service, I bought you back. And so it is that we might, in a sense, buy back our enemies. We might even buy back those who are enemies of, of Christ if we become servants to them in the name of Christ. If we become even slaves to them in the name of Christ, we just might buy them back. How changed might the world be if we became servants and not just judges? How changed might the world be if we became servants for the life of the world and for its salvation? Christ bought you back. He bought you back, though you were a slave to another. And since you are now free, you should never again return to the, to the old kind of bondage. Now, you've got a new kind of bondage that's ahead of you. You know, it's kind of, like I said, there's a journey that's involved here. We go from servitude to freedom, and then in a very real sense, come back to servitude. We become bond servants to Christ. So, you have been purchased, slaves, at a great price. When you cross yourselves, remind yourself of the new service that you have been called to enter into that service with great joy. Amen.